everybody, it's Rich. Welcome, or welcome back, to the Access Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you'll find our complete Sunday experience with music, as well as great content for kids and students. Visit accesschurch.com to keep up with everything going on around here at Access, and subscribe to our email list. We'll send you helpful suggestions each week designed to help you make friends, grow in faith, and live with purpose. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I didn't make you wait this week. Last week, if you're here, I waited one minute to come out on the stage, and you guys would have thought I waited a lifetime. Uh, Felt awkward in the room and uncomfortable. Uh, A lot of you had some jokes for me this week about waiting, and we can't wait, and you guys are very funny. Um, And so uh, we're going to get to the message in just a moment, but I want to start with this, and I I do this from time to time. If you're new or newer, you haven't been here uh, much, maybe somebody invited you today, um, you, you might not suspect that I'm going to, you know, that the pastor's going to start this way. Those of you that are here regularly, you know that we start this way sometimes. And that's to start with this, that if you get nothing else today out of what we're doing, you need to know today, right where you're sitting, that you are loved, that you're important and that your life matters, uh, that you're loved by the people around you. And if you think that like um, you're here and you're like, these are all the good people, uh, you know, that is, you, could, you couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, this is beggars who have found where to find bread and we're all broken people. And so you're sitting among other broken people. If you think I'm not worthy, you're sitting around people who think they're not worthy. This week I was watching some reels on the Instagram as I do from time to time. And I saw this one where a kid was writing a song about how, he's like a 20 something, writing a song about how we have no significance, that there is no God, that life doesn't matter and nothing matters. To which I thought, then why are you singing a song about it? Because that doesn't matter, right? I wanted to say, well, if nothing matters, neither does your song, you know, that's what I wanted to say. But I didn't say that, all right? And the point is, it's impossible not to be significant in a world where God has placed significance upon you. That God decided you're significant and so you are significant. That not only do we love you, but God loves you. God loves you right where you are. And I don't know what you're walking with every Sunday, uh, whether you're watching online or you're watching, listening to our podcast later. We have almost 34 uh, viewers. Uh, no matter what you're carrying today, what you've been through, what you did what someone did to you, no matter what you've got going on today, I just wanna start by saying, if you get nothing else, God loves you right where you are. He loves you and you are significant. That's where I wanted to start today. So go ahead and put that in your pipe and smoke that this morning, all right? (laughs) So inappropriate, I can't believe. I'm going to a different church, this is ridiculous. Losing weight, part two, uh, losing weight. Uh, we live in a world that um, we, we, we would like to not have to wait for anything, right? We're doing whatever we can to not have to wait. And, and so we, that's why we, we create technology for it. You know, our, you know, we want our food to come faster. We have on-demand. Uh, we have Amazon Prime, right? We're, we live in a world that's trying to lose weight. We want to lose weight. Like most of us want to lose a few pounds, but we'd all like to lose this kind of weight. We just don't want to have to wait at all. We would like to get rid of weight entirely, right? Uh, there's a comedian who talks about Amazon Prime. He says, Amazon Prime, it's too slow. We need Amazon Prime now. When my finger hits the button, put the item in my hand. That's how fast I want. I need two-hour delivery. That's what I want in our country, uh, bring the food, break it in my house and put the food in my mouth that I ordered. That's what I want. 
That's how I don't want to wait. I just don't want to wait for it. Everything's too slow. We need something faster. And in a world where we can kind of control the speed of things like that, we can control the speed of our food. We can control the speed of our shows. We can control the speed of our packages a little bit. We can hurry life up a little bit. We really can kind of make it go faster. We tend to take our faith and we place that on God. And we go, you know what I want? God, I want a microwave on-demand Amazon Prime version of you. Could I get the Amazon Prime, God? Like, that's what I really want. I, I want a God who, when I snap my fingers, when I push the button, he says, yes. Give me, give me what I want, God. And we are so uh, intent on believing that waiting is bad that we think if we have to wait on God, he must be bad. That if God doesn't do what I say when I say it, it must mean that he's not a very good God. You're not very good at this God thing because you're taking too long. And we, we don't even realize that sometimes it's in the waiting that God is working because we associate waiting as bad and fast as good. And that's not always true. And so what we do is we go, well, listen, if there's any delay, I'm just gonna do it my way. If there's a delay, I'll just take it from here, God. If there's any kind of delay, then I'm just gonna do whatever I want because you took too long, God, and I'm not willing to wait on whatever you have for me. Consequently, we, we never learn to wait on God. We never even know what it means to wait on God. And so what happens is we never get to experience God's results in our lives because we only get our results because we took over the reins. We said, I'll take it from here. I'm not gonna wait on you. And we miss out on many times the very thing that God had for us in the waiting because we wouldn't wait. We refused to wait. But God's doing something good in the waiting. God has a plan in the waiting. He knows what he's doing. He's not just doing it to be mean to us. And so last week I started this whole series and I said, what if waiting is actually your friend? What if waiting is your friend? Like what if waiting is actually really good for you? really healthy for you? What if there's something happening in the waiting that couldn't be produced in any other fashion? And if that's true, if we, if we kind of believed or knew or understood that waiting is actually my friend, waiting's good for me, there's something good in this waiting, even though I'm bothered that it's not happening the way I want it to, I can kind of get along with the waiting a little bit better, can't I? If waiting's my friend, I can get along with waiting a little better. If waiting's my enemy, then I don't want the waiting. But if waiting is my friend, I can be like, what's up, waiting? Hello, it's Wednesday, and I wanted this to be done now, but hello, waiting. I guess we won't be enemies today. I'll trust that there's something good in the waiting. I won't be so bothered by the waiting. And so I ended last week, and I said to you, if you missed it, I said, what are you waiting on God for? What are you waiting on God to do? How are you doing in the waiting? You waiting well, or are you waiting terribly? Are you just taking over the reins yourself and just going, I'm not waiting on you. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to control it. I'll, I'll manipulate life the way that I want it to go. And then what would it look like for you? What would it look for, like for you to really actually say, God, I'm going to stop trying to control everything and I'm going to wait on you. So that's what I said that I thought it would be good for us to deal with. See, my whole thing in this is that I want us to be really good at waiting, I want you to get better at waiting. I want us to be able to wait well, to wait in, 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 with patience, to wait uh, in a way that's good for us, in a way that's not so full of anxiety. So today I wanna take the next step in that. I wanna just say, hey, what does it look like to, to wait without fear? What does it look like to wait without anxiety? Is that even possible? Last week I talked to somebody on the way out who said to me, um, I, I'm gonna be waiting for a really long time. Like I don't want to have to wait. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm freaking out about it. And I said, well, you might have to wait, but I think there's a way 
to wait with peace. And he said, what does that mean? What does that look like? I said, it means you can wait without being afraid. You can wait without having anxiety. You can wait and be just at, like, at rest. And I wanna talk about how you can do that. And one of the reasons that I think waiting is so difficult for us is that it, be, it really puts us in connection or in direct contact with the unknown, right? Waiting usually means I'm waiting on something that I don't know about yet. And so I'm kind of stuck in the what's going to happen. And we end up playing the what ifs game. Have you ever played the what ifs game before? You ever done that before? Like, well, what if, what if I'm late? So we start freaking out and we go, well, what if she doesn't call back? What if she does call back? What if they get sick? What if I get sick? I mean, we spent so much time in COVID in the future and the unknown, didn't we? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? We were freaking out about all the what ifs. What if this never ends? What if I have to wear a mask forever? What if there's an accident? What if something happens? What if I should have let them go or let him go? What if they aren't really, we aren't really in love? What if, what if he doesn't love me? What if she doesn't love me? What if they leave me? What if I run out of money? What if we get pregnant? What if we can't get pregnant? What if they find out that I'm gay? What if I hate this job? What if I don't find a job? What if I run out of money? What if my kids don't make the team? What if they do make the team? How much traveling am I gonna have to do? Like what? We spend all this time in our head in the future going, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And we get all worked up and we're so afraid of the unknown. What's gonna happen? And we think, I just need to get rid of the unknown. And we, we can do that in some places. You can do that at Disney World. You can get rid of the unknown. Do you know that? Uh, the worst part about Disney World, as you all know, is the lines, right? No one goes to Disney World like, dude, I'm so stoked to wait in line today. Like, I just, I just hope I get, I, I, I spent six days one day in uh, the line at Spider-Man. Um, we waited for six days that day. And Spider-Man broke down, and we heard that Spider-Man broke down, and we stayed in the line. We'd already been there an hour and 25 minutes. I was like, I don't care how long it takes. I'll, I'll stay here the rest of my life if I have to, to get in that thing, right? Like, but you know, did you know that you can get rid of the unknown? See, the problem with the lines is that I don't know how long it's going to take. I have no idea when I'm going to get there. Like, every time you get around a turn, there's another building, you know? You get around that building, there's like... Six miles. You're like, holy, I thought this was short, you know, because at first we moved really fast. Anyway, that's uh, TMI. But the, the point is, you, you don't know how long the line is. Did you know you can remove the unknown of that? For $14,000 per person, you can get a VIP pass. <laughs> it's true. I just read this yesterday. You can, get, you can get a VIP. You can go straight to the front of the line for $14,000 per person. What a beautiful thing. Like, you remove all the unknown of it. You, how long is that gonna take? Zero seconds. I'm gonna walk straight in. I can go to everything. You can remove the unknown. And we really believe. We think that if God would just make the unknown known, then I'd be able to rest. Like, it, the thing that I'm bothered by is that I don't know the future. So if you would just tell me the future, that'd be all that I need. See, we want God's VIP fast pass, right? We'd pay 14,000 for it, some of us. Because we, we go to God, hey God, oh, listen, can I get the fast pass for singleness, please? I'd just like to know that in the future, I do get married. I don't need to know who it is. Are they attractive though? I'd like to know, are they, what do they look like? Like, we would like, if I could just get the fast pass through just to know the future, then I'd be okay. God, if I could get the fast pass for the job hunt, 
Like, I don't need to know what job it is, but you can just make sure that I know. If I could see down the road far enough to know, I do get a job and I do have enough money. I'm gonna be okay. This is uh, a problem. If I could just know this was gonna stop, right? If, if you could just get, if, okay, God, I don't need to know it, how I move on past this divorce and this relationship pain, but if I could just know that my kids are okay, just, I, just give me the lens into the future so I can see it. If I could get a fast pass to my bank account, can I, can I get a fast pass to what, the, what this, what this um, lands with my treatment? Like this, this diagnosis, if I could just get the fast pass, if I could just find out what's a few years down the road, could you take me five or 10 years down the road and show me what's next? And if I could just see what's next down the road in all my what ifs and all my fears and all my worries and all my waiting, if I could just go a little further out and see what's down the road, then I could rest in peace. We really believe that if we could know the future, we could wait without anxiety. That's what we think. If we could just know the future, that would help us wait without anxiety. And we're close, but that's not quite accurate, I don't think. We're close because it is true that knowing something about the future will help us rest in the present. But what is it that we need to know? Do we need to know the future or is there something else that we need to know? And that's what I wanna talk about today. What is it that we need to know to actually wait without anxiety, to actually wait without fear. We're going to look at a guy named David. Uh, David probably spent some of the most time in the Bible. Of all the Bible characters, David spent like some of the most time in God's waiting room, right? He even writes a verse in Psalm chapter 13. By the way, it's, it's pronounced Psalm um, and it's spelled P-S-A-L-M. So it looks like Psalm. And so we know if you say, hey, can we read Psalms together? We'll know you're kind of new to this and that's okay. We'll roll together. We'll know where we're starting, okay? But some people will say, uh, why are you saying Psalm? It's spelled Psalm. So when we say Psalm, the P is silent, like it should be in our bathrooms too. And so, uh, <laughs> all right, this is ridiculous. Who, who let this guy up here? Psalm 13.1, it says this, it says this. David said, how long, O Lord? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Y'all ever been there before? <laughs> how freaking long, God? Like, how long are you gonna let me walk through this desert? How long do I have to wait? Have you forgotten me? You're gonna forget me forever? This is the guy we're talking about today. The guy that we're talking about is a guy who's been in the waiting season. He was told he would be king, and then he spends years running from the current king who's trying to kill him. And in the middle of that, he goes, how long? How long am I gonna have to put up with this? And there's a scene where David is being chased by King Saul and King Saul goes into a cave to use the restroom. And David and his men are waiting or they're hiding inside that cave. And so King Saul disrobes, he's completely exposed and David could have taken him out. And David's men were like, why didn't you take him out? We've talked about it before. And David said, I didn't take him out because I'm waiting on God. God didn't say, David, you're gonna make yourself king. God said he would make me king. And so I'm waiting on God to make me king, not me to make me king. And so David really chose to wait on God and you see it all throughout his writing. And so we're gonna pick it up today in Psalm chapter 27, a psalm, a psalm, all about what it means to wait without anxiety, to wait without fear. This is a great psalm for you to read and study on your own. So Psalm 27, we'll pick it up. First two verses, they say this. And, and here's the thing. In this, David knew something, right? 
David knew something. That was the whole thing is that David knew something. So we're going to look at what did David know that gave him the ability to wait without anxiety. Verse one and two. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? So when you look at this, I wanted to just not highlight anything. I didn't highlight any words on there like we do sometimes because I wanted you to read it. And I want you to go, what word stands out? Just in your, to yourself, what words stand out in this to you? When you read it, what's, what like pops out at you? You know, is it that he's your, the light, your salvation? Is it not to be afraid, that he's a fortress or danger? What is it? And for me, the word that stands out is this word right here, a very big word, is. That's the word that stands out to me. Now, why? Why does that stand out? Well, go back, throw the verse up there. Because it doesn't say the Lord might be my light. It doesn't say the Lord could be my light. It doesn't say the Lord said he would be my, my light. It doesn't say, hey, maybe God's my light. It says the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. David is not here going, I'm not quite sure who God is. I, I have some doubts about who God is. David goes, no. He is my salvation. He absolutely is my light. He is my fortress without, without question, without doubt. He is the one who's going to take care of me. He says it with certainty. He knows it. Last week, we looked at Jesus and Martha when Lazarus died, and Jesus said, those who have me will have eternal life. Do you believe this, Martha? And I look at all of you and say the same thing. David says he is my light. Do you believe that? Do you, do you know it down deep in your soul, like in here? Do you know that he is your salvation? Or are you still in process? If you're still in process, it's okay. It's why we're here. It's why we gather together to help us get more confident in who God really is. It's why we have small groups. It's why we go on mission trips. The men's mission trip is meeting in that room back there right after this if you're interested in going to Mosset Law with the men because we want you to be connected with people who can help you know with certainty who God is. But David knows with certainty who God is. In fact, I love the next two verses. Uh, he says this, and I'll let you pick out the words that are most important. He says, when evil people come to devour me, when the enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. Now, you know the game a little bit already, so what words stand out to you now? Yeah, will, and I would add when. So when and will, we'll throw that back up there. He says, when evil, come, when the, uh, evil people come to devour me, he doesn't say if something bad happens. He doesn't say, you know, it's possible something. He says, I know it, certain. There's words of certainty here. The words of certainty are when and will. When, it is going to happen. When they come, when bad things come, and when the enemies and foes attack me, when these things happen, I love the next two words, or the next three words. When hard things come to me, when enemies come at me, guess what? I ain't gonna stumble. They will stumble. Oh, I love it, David. Like, you ever, what would it feel like in life to have that kind of certainty no matter what comes your way? When hardship comes my way, when hard things hit me, when the unknown hits me, the unknown will stumble. The enemies will fall. He goes on to say, though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. It doesn't matter what you bring to me. I will not be afraid. Why? Because I know 
that my salvation is God. I know that God is my light, that God is my salvation, that God is my fortress. His knowledge of who God is allows him to live with confidence of what God will do. I already know who he is, so I know what he'll do. He says, even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. Well, where does this confidence come from with David? How does he know that he will remain confident? Well, do you guys remember there's a story in the Bible, it's fairly famous, David and Goliath. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard of David and Goliath. If you haven't heard of David and Goliath, raise your hand. No, uh, if you haven't heard of David and Goliath, here's the story. David is a shepherd boy. He shows up to a crowd of, of Israelites and Philistines facing each other, and a Philistine named Goliath, who's a giant, nine foot tall, comes out every day. That's what I'm talking about, and he starts beating a drum. He comes out every day, and he says, you gotta send somebody out here to fight me. If you send somebody out here to fight me, we'll fight, and whoever wins, the other side will serve us. And all the Israelites were afraid of it. And David came up to this, and he was like, he was confounded. He was like, why are we scared of this guy? Do you guys not know who we serve? Why are we scared of this giant? Why are you scared of the unknown of what he could do to you? He can't do anything to you. He can't touch you. And, and uh, David said, I know this because yesterday or recently, I killed a bear with my bare hands. Do you guys know that's not normal? <laughs> David, he's a boy. So he wasn't like, look at these Look at these guns. Look what I did. Dave was like, I can't believe I killed a bear. I killed a lion with my bare hands. I'm just telling y'all, if a lion came in here right now, if a bear came in here right now, and I killed it with my bare hands, it came up on stage, and you guys were like, oh, no. And I was like, it's fine. You know? I promise you, I wouldn't be like, look what I just did. I would be like, the spirit of God just came inside of me and gave me the power. And that's what David said. David goes, I killed a bear and a lion. I felt God move in me. I have confidence that I'm gonna be okay because my dad, my father is strong and he's given me his strength before and he'll give me my strength now. And the speech he gives to David is the best speech in the Bible. If you haven't read it, Google, what did David say to Goliath? And he said this, I'll just tell you what he said. He said, he said, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But it probably would look more like this. <laughs> you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Yeah. And today, you're not gonna like this part. I will cut your head off. And I'm gonna feed your dead body and the bodies of your men to the birds, the air, and the wild beasts of the field. And then he says this. And the whole world will know. The whole world's gonna hear about this, bro. Hey, Goliath, this moment right here that we're sitting in, we're standing in, you think it's just a moment. But God is about to tell the whole world that he rescues his people. That's what I want you to know today. And David didn't say, and the whole world will get an idea. And the whole world will suspect he said, and the whole world will know. And y'all, that was written so that we would know about God's past faithfulness, so it could impact our current circumstances.
God's path faithfulness informs our future confidence. That's why we read the Bible, to find out what did he do? How did he save? How did he rescue? And our, our information found in God's word that pours into our mind and our hearts reminds us and encourages us. If he did it then, he'll do it now. It's why we sing that song, same God. The same God who helped Moses is the same God here today helping you with your kids. The same God who helped uh, Abraham is the same God who will work on your marriage. The same God who helped uh, Joseph get out of prison is the same God who helped get your prodigal back home. It's the same God. The same God who was then is the same God now. And if he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. And David knows it. And he wants you to know it and he wants me to know it and he wants you to live in it. And David is so confident of this. He's so confident that God is what he needs that the next verse that he writes is this. He goes, one thing I ask from the Lord. If you could ask one thing of the Lord, <laughs> I bet yours would be different than this. If you could ask God for just one thing right now, you'd probably have him fix something in your life. You'd ask for a million bucks or something. You'd ask for something that you think would be the thing that you need to really get through life. And David says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Oh God, if I could just have one thing, let me be close to you. Let me come to your house and chill with you. Let me sit in your presence. Let me be close to you because you are bad, which is good. You are so strong and so powerful. If I could just gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple, the only thing I want, God, is to be close to you. That's how much David knows who God is. He knows what God is like. He knows what God is capable of. And all he wants is to just be close to him. He doesn't say, fix my future, fix my plans, show me my marriage, fix this situation. He says, I, I, I don't even know about all that. But what I do know is I gotta be close to you. And if I can be close to you, I assume you'll take care of the rest. And so he said, I just want to be close to you. And so he writes the next verses from 5 to 12 is a prayer that I think you should learn to pray. If you want to know how to wait without anxiety, you pray this prayer in Psalm chapter 27, verse 5 through, through 10 or 11, sorry, or 12, 5 through 12. And reread the whole thing, okay? And I would challenge you, read this every day this week for one week. Verse 5, I'll read it for you. For he will conceal me there, when troubles come, he will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. God's gonna keep me safe. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. As his, his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. You can have joy in the waiting. David just said, listen, uh, he, he's, he's my salvation. How long do I have to wait? I can have joy in the waiting, singing and praising the, the Lord with music. Verse seven, hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. That's how you pray in the waiting. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming, God. Isn't it true? Haven't, hasn't some of your hearts, haven't some of your hearts been saying, come talk to God? You felt him, haven't you? Some of you have felt him saying, come on, come on, just come talk to me. Come on, get close to me. And you've resisted some of and he's saying it today, come be with me, come close to me. And your heart, I hope, can say, Lord, I'm coming. Do not turn back from me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. It's okay to pray that. God, don't you give up on me. Even in, in, if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting to devour me. 
That's a prayer that David prays in the waiting, in the longing. God, you got to stay with me. So my question for you this morning is, do you really believe that God will rescue you? Do you really believe that he is who David says he is? Could you write this psalm yourself? Or if I were to write the psalm that your life would currently be you know, expressing, would it sound a little differently? Because for some of us right now, the psalm we'd write would sound way different than what David wrote. And so I wrote a potential psalm myself. Here's a psalm of the modern person who's struggling in the waiting. This is what some of our psalms would sound like. Here we go. When temptation and hardship comes my way, I just do whatever I need to feel good. When I'm lonely, I say a few half-hearted prayers for a couple days and then I try to find someone to hook up with. When, oh, too close to home, sorry. <laughs> when my past pokes its head out at me, I stuff it down with some Southern comfort. When my problems are too big for me to handle, I hide them in shame and fear, just waiting for them to expose me, nervous of what will happen if it all comes out. When I'm running out of money, I just borrow more and smoke a joint to try and forget it. Lord, where have you gone? And why does my life suck so badly? I can't find you, and I'm a little tired of trying. But please help anyway. Amen. For many of us, that would be the story we're writing right now. I tried to wait for a minute, but it didn't work. My life kind of sucks, so I'll just have to figure it out, and I'll do whatever I have to do. That's not the best way to wait. We can do better. We can wait better, and you can have better. My favorite proverb to rewrite, and you're not supposed to rewrite the Bible, but I did, <laughs> is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You've heard it probably. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And what? He will. See that word, he will? He will direct your path. It's a promise. So I rewrote that just to make it easier to remember. And I just said, you can trust the one who's got it even when you don't get it. <laughs> trust the one who's got it even when you don't get it. You could pray it like this. God, I don't get it, but I trust you got it. God, I don't get it, but I trust that you've, Got it. Here's how I want to close today. God wants you to trust him like David trusts him. God wants you to know him like David knows him. God wants you to get to a place in your life where you're not afraid of anything because you have confidence in who he is. That's what God wants for you. So is it possible? Is it possible that you're not the only one waiting? Is it possible that God is actually waiting on you? Is it possible that God is waiting on you to begin to trust him and that the waiting you're going through is a process to get you, come on, to come get to know him, to pull up a seat, to get your butt in this church, to find out who he really is. And you're going, fix it, God, fix it. And he goes, I'll fix it as soon as you know who I am. As soon as you understand who I am, as soon as you know how big I am, how strong I am, how good I am, I want you to know me so that you can live your whole life without fear. You can live your whole life going, no matter what comes to me, it won't be me who stumbles. It'll be my enemies who stumble. It won't be me who gets afraid because I know he is my salvation. He is my light and he is my fortress. I know him and I know that I know that I know him. What do you got? 
You got a prodigal son, prodigal daughter? They just, you don't know what's gonna happen. Give them to God every day. You got a husband who just won't change? Give him to God every day. You got a wife that just won't stop? Give her to God every day. You got a financial thing that just won't get? Give it to God every day. You got a, you got a sickness? You got a, a diagnosis? You got a, a thing you're waiting through? You got pain in your back? You got pain in your arms? You got pain somewhere? Continue to give it to your heavenly Father. You, you wondering if your family will ever get along? You watch a loved one suffering through something? You got a big ball of hatred in your heart you just can't get rid of? Hand it over to God every day and say, God, don't you abandon me now. Don't you quit on me now. I need you to do something. Would you show me who you are? Would you give me the confidence of David so I could say, he is my salvation. He is my light and he is my fortress. Listen, we think we need to know the future in order for us to wait without anxiety, but we don't need to know the future. We and I, you and I, we need to know the God. Well, that was the wrong spot. We need to know the God. We need to know the God who knows the future. For David, knowing God was enough for David to know that his future was secure. Knowing God was enough for David to know that his future was secure. You need to know God. You don't need to know the future if you want to wait without anxiety. So he ends with this. Psalm 27 ends. He says, yet I am confident. I will see. I will see. There it is. I will. I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. In this lifetime, he's going to come through for me. I know it. And so he says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. It's not going to be easy. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. There's something good in the waiting. Waiting is your friend. And I know this. I'll close with this. I love you all. God loves you more than I do. But if you are in his waiting room, it's at least in part because he wants you to know him. Let me pray. God, help us to know you. Lord, we want you to fix all of our future. But God, what we really need is to know who you are to be close to you, the one who's in control of it all. You're not caught off guard or surprised. And so would you cause each person in this room, help us to read Psalm 27, to pray Psalm 27, to read your word, to find out the stories, to know who you are. Help us to get into groups and be discipled and to be led and to be in a small group and to be in Bible study and to go to a men's mission trip or to be in a women's group or to be somewhere. Help us to keep craving more, God, so that we can actually know you, so we can live with confidence and not wait with anxiety. Take away the anxiety because we find out who you really are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.